0: Too much horror business, driving late at night. Psycho seventy eight. Twelve o'clock. Don't be late. I said all this
1: horror business. Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lore.
0: And I'm Liam O'Donnell.
1: And you are listening to episode 86 of Horror Business. <laughs>
0: H O R R O R B U S I N E S S eighty six,
1: and today we are joined by a very special guest, a reoccurring guest on the horror business. Director of my favorite horror movie last year, which is coming out on VOD. Is it being released on a physical medium? Uh,
2: n- not yet, but uh, I can talk. To, I can talk about that. Yes. Okay.
1: Either way, we are joined by Dean Capsalis. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Caps out. Yes. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Okay. Caps. You're so nervous. You're I so am, nervous. I am. Why? Director of
1: the Swerve. Because I am so easily intimidated by what, look by people who create cool
2: shit that uh, I like. Oh man, it's all right. I have a lot of anxiety today uh, about other shit that I have to get you know together for it. But yeah, it's coming out on uh, uh in. To six days, uh, September 27th, yeah. on all major wow. all major VOD platforms. Physical release, to answer your question, uh, we were just discussing it earlier. Uh, uh, if there's enough of a call out for it, because it's not a traditional horror movie, and those tend to really have the, you know, sort of fans after them. So if the, depending on like how the movie sort of does, we'll see, you know, that there'll probably be a physical release down the road. Absolutely. But you know, you now fans call out about it or, you know, they sort of, you know, tweet or DM Epic or me and I'll, you know, put it forward to Epic Pictures, which is the distributor of the swerve, and then they'll, you know, it's no problem we can we can get one out. But but at first because of physical media and how how it goes with you know, sales, you know, we just want to see how how it's going to do. Cool.
1: Yeah. Did you did you get a hold of anyone um, for like showing it at a drive-in or anything like that?
2: They're working on it, but you know it's so crazy right now because the the the, the major uh, studios are going after the drive-ins. You know, yeah, and it's like uh, they've been like booked up, but they're they're working on it. And uh, I know that uh, Epic is working with uh, with a couple people on it. And even if it comes after the uh, the. 22nd of September that they're still gonna, you know, it'd still be cool to do it, you know, but it's been like really, you know, they're, they're like swallowed up by by the majors, you know, cause it's got like, yeah, you know, but that's, that's okay, you know, it's like it's not that,
0: you know, I get it, and I, 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 Prefer the idea that uh, people, if they're gonna risk a movie right now, be going to a drive-in instead of uh, a death box. But yeah, it just feels like your film. Um, I'd rather see that in a drive-in than like Tenet or some bullshit. Would but you really? Maybe that's just mine. Would yeah, you really? Because wow, yeah, because for me, um, I like see uh, my vibe with drive-ins is very much genre film. And it's very, oh, you know, wow. I've, I've, I've gone to, uh, back when I was living closer to Justin, I've gone to drive-ins to see, like, comic book movies and stuff like that, and I guess that's fine. But I, I just, you know, I, I just, my vibe, we where we, I don't live there anymore, but where me and Justin used to live in the same area, yeah. there's a few drive-ins. There's actually, like, uh, three drive-ins. Yep. And one of those drive-ins only does retro stuff. Right. Some some of that retro stuff is like big cinema, but a lot of it is like more, uh, le- you know, genre stuff, horror, sci-fi, that kind of thing. And that just is like more of the vibe I wanted to drive in than when like I went to see Avengers drive in, That's fine. But it's just not it doesn't matter to me in the same way. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just my bias when it comes to the driving experience. I-
2: I've never been to a drive in. <laughs> I've never been, <laughs> you know. Oh, my God. They're so fun. You know,
1: I, oh, I've so just rad. seen
2: them in movies, and I've want, I mean that way, and and uh, but I've seen lots of photos. There's like a book of you know photographs of drive, but never actually experienced one. And when the the idea came up, I was like, my movie in a drive-in. I was like, that's it. Just seems kind of like weird to me. Uh, but yeah, if 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 it's possible, yeah, we'll go. You know, they're definitely they've been working really hard at it. And Epic's great. They're like so you know they really want to do something like that and it, had there not been a pandemic it had been set up that it would have been screening in. uh well probably not drive-ins at the time because there were very few then it would have been like death boxes as you call them Liam.
0: Uh, sure before they were death well boxes. at the time that they would yeah exactly exactly that would have been great i would have loved it prior to a pandemic yeah but that's where i want to be
2: i know it's like but but you know even tenant people aren't even really going to to the nope. you know closed theaters to to see it it's kind of a it's a, a weird thing but i'm i'm more than happy that you know that it's coming out and people can actually see it and i mean it's kind of it's surreal uh, uh to me that it's finally sort of getting out and people can get their eyeballs on it so yeah, i'm very happy i mean
0: we've talked extensively about how much we love it but in case we have any new listeners or people <laughs> who just didn't hear those episodes we just want to remind you all it's great. The Swerve is great. You need to see it. You need to go and pay whatever VOD to, to watch it, ASAP. Then you can catch up with... Wait, Justin, did you do a review? Did yes, you write a review? Yes, I did. Then then as soon as you watch it, go read Justin's review. You can read it ahead of time if you want to. It doesn't spoil anything, but I just think it it, it for me, also enhanced my... Reading you thinking about it, Justin, helped me think about the movie more too. So, yeah. I just think uh, if if you want to just go ahead and watch it yourself, I think that's great, and I think reading Justin thinking about it will uh, only deepen your yeah. experience of the film. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know, not that we have a massive fan base, but what we have, go watch it, do it. It's probably now. I don't know when this episode's coming out, but it's probably available right now. Go do it right now.
2: Yeah, it's a beautiful review. Uh, I mean, you know, because I, I had because it's my first feature, it's like me and the producer had to put all this stuff together and I had had to read them, you know, at least, but I, I read, or at least look at them and, and I read yours and I was really, uh, uh, you know, it really hit me. It's a, it's a, uh, it's some great writing. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. There's been some, yeah, yeah. There's been some cool interpretations.
1: Yeah. It, uh, that was a movie I had talked to my therapist about, about the, the kind of Whoa. horror that gets at me the most is because it's the most relatable to me. That, yeah. I think is the idea of, of uh, you know, being afraid of yourself. Yep. Which is fucking hard. Yeah, that, I, I agree.
2: <laughs> I was talking about it. I've been going through, uh, doing some interviews and uh, talking exactly about that, how it sort of, you know, hits people and how, um, you know, so there's been a lot of talk, you know, it was at Fright Fest and they were like, uh, uh, it just blew up in the sense that, you know, people were not expecting it and, uh, what they got, and some people were like, hey, this isn't a, this isn't a horror movie to them, but, you know, call it what you want, psychological drama, thriller, horror movie, to me, it's, it's a horror movie in the sense that it deals with what I find truly frightening, which is, you know, sort of, a a loss of the self and the mind, you know, it's really, a, <clears throat> a really scary thing, you know, I love, even as a kid, I, I loved, uh, you know, traditional horror movies and monster movies, but I didn't find them uh, scary to me. As a kid, I thought they were, they were more like uh, these, you know, beautiful, fantastical creatures of wonder, you know, and I, I they, they didn't scare yeah. me. I, lo- I love them, and I still do, but, you know, I wanted to make a film that, was, that would uh, scare me, you know, since I had to put so much time and effort into it. And, I, and I, I think it's hit other people. I mean, to make a movie about, uh, you know, where the, the lead character is, is, is uh, going off the rails with a very strong bout of mental illness is, um, uh, I think it's terrifying.
1: It was anxiety-inducing, to say the least.
2: Uh, that, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I love that. I think that's, that's part of the ride, you know. Um, so yeah, I do I do appreciate that. Alright,
1: well, uh I guess before we get any further, we should say that this episode is brought to you Also, uh, so we're we're doing the t- the two films we're doing today are 1972's Sisters and 1976's The Tenet. Both movies I enjoyed. The Tenet stuck with me in a way that like uh I'd like I, I'd never seen it before, but it was one of those things like I finished watching it and then like late like that night I was lying in bed and I was like Oh, shit, I was just thinking about the ten. <laughs> so, but before we go any further, we should let you know that this episode is brought to you by you. Our beautiful, lovely, wonderful, perfect, beautiful Patreon subscribers. <laughs> now, we've made it abundantly clear that this will always be a free show. We'll never charge for anything. I mean, aside from, like, merchandise and all that. But uh, it'll be free to listen to. Um...
0: I might make, like, wax castings of my feet and sell those.
1: <laughs> you might. You might. For free. Um, money is not real. You know, we've gone over this numerous times. It doesn't exist. But because most of the world has agreed that it exists, unfortunately, by definition, it then exists. So there are costs to running a website and a, an empire. We cannot build an empire on goodwill and intentions. We need money for that. So if what I just said didn't strike you as vaguely threatening and kind of ominous and more than a little <laughs> megalomaniacal. Or uh, even if it did. What's that?
0: I said, or even if it did. Even Either if way. it did, yeah.
1: Even if it did. If you want to assist us in um, becoming a force to be reckoned with, uh, you can head to patreon.com backslashcinepunks. Not only will you be helping horror business, that, that's why you're subscribing, is to help horror business. Let's fucking Let's, let's be honest. You'll also be helping... Un- unfair, Except, unfair. True, unfair but true. The truth hurts. You'll be helping <laughs> other podcasts such as Cinepunks, uh, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe, Black Sun Dispatches, Wine and Cheese, Tomb of Ideas, Fat Girl Hacks, B-Sides a Boog, a bunch of Boog, a bunch of other stuff, but mostly hard business. That's that's
0: what you're here for. <laughs> the the quality. That's the cream of, cream of the crop. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 it rises
1: to the top. Like Macho Man Randy Savage, so elegantly told, mean gene i forgot mean jeans last name holy shit
0: um you're but, losing it man
1: uh, yeah so anyway um if any of the fucking bullshit that just fell out of my mouth intrigues you you can head to Cinepun- patreon.com backslash for more information on how to sign up the tiers are on there those are the rules that liam laid out but as i've made abundantly clear i obey no rules but the ones i set for myself so if you donate like uh like five dollars, whatever, I'll send you one of our Dana shirts. If you donate ten, I'll do a bunch of other shit. So uh yeah, patreon.com backslash backslash backslash. Backslash cinnamon's
0: that was very good Sean Connery. Yeah,
1: it, was just good. Did. it was, yeah, yeah. This episode is also also <laughs> brought to you by the oh premier screen printing company of the Greater Lehigh Valley area, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Now Liam. Yes. If I said to you, "Yes, I wanted to get a T-shirt of Billy Joel <laughs> nope. on fire," oh, uh-huh. and the words "We did start the fire," mm-hmm. indicating not just the fact that the West Coast is on fire right now, but um, civilization is primed mm. to fucking burst into flame at any second,
0: as we planned.
1: As we planned. Oh, where would you send me with that dumb cock idea to, to, to bring it to life?
0: I would send you to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. You can find them online at xlvacx.com. Chris Recheck and his crack team of mutants will help you in whatever printing needs you may have, whether that's t shirts, hoodies, sweatpants, face masks, cod pieces, weird Dr. Seuss hats, handkerchiefs, underwears, whatever it is. Not only that, they've got amazing designers there so if you show up with some weird 30 year old photo that was in the bottom of your car and it's got your kids like weird uh stains all over it and strange snacks and stuff they'll scan it and they'll clean it up and then bada bing bada boom
1: you got a face mask with your weird design on it
0: yeah whatever it is i don't know maybe it's Billy Joel on fire, that's a good example. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, aliens over Justin Lore while he's sleeping, and they're saying, we can't wait to eat your soul. <laughs> Something
1: like that. It happens. It happens.
0: Whatever it is, Chris Reject and all those people who make him look good because he couldn't do it without them No, are available to you at Lehigh Valley Apparel.
1: www.xlvacx.com. And you could is, find Chris,
0: is Chris, wait, is Chris Straight Edge?
1: No, fuck you, no. Oh, oh okay. No, he's not, fuck you. Um, you can follow him on Twitter. We post about him all the time. They're on Instagram as well. I, I'd say go to Instagram because they post more stuff on there so you can see the kind it's of true. quality that they post. Now comes the time normally when I would ask Liam, Liam, what are you doing? That involves Har recently. But I don't give a shit what Liam's done about Har, with Har recently because I don't think he's done anything. I suspect everything that Liam has done is stuff that I have done.
0: No, I got one thing, baby. They ah, fuck you! No, it's still Dean's turn,
1: though. It is Dean's turn. So, what? Dean, <laughs> uh, what have you done involving Har
0: recently?
2: Oh man. Uh, well, other than other than all my own film stuff. Uh,
0: yeah, your whole life. Your whole it's life. It's like other than your try, whole. Life. Try
2: doing like deliverables during a pandemic when when you're involved in like a, getting all the stuff together for film. It's like. It's like it's crazy. Everybody's really nice, but you know offices are not open, or they're starting to open up now. But you know it was it was uh, definitely time consuming. Uh, but I did manage to to squeeze in some uh, some books and movies. Um, I got a Bentley Little book, Justin. I got what the book? Haunted. Good.
1: Oh, I haven't I I, I haven't okay. read that one yet. But I'm am assuming it's
2: th- it's probably fucking terrible. I thought it was one of the ones you recommended because I, I, I well, it was right in front of me and I grabbed it off the shelf. I was at a bookstore. Yeah. Uh, and then I've uh, seen a, I've seen a bunch of movies, but um, usually the ones I don't like, I just kind of like turn off if it doesn't, you know, grab me. So I'm not going to talk about those. But I saw some good ones. I saw uh, Sea Fever, and I re- oh yeah, that- yeah, I really liked it. Um, you guys have seen that one, Sea Fever? Yeah, it's yep. really good.
0: Yep, I really yeah. liked it as well. I thought it was uh, really
2: good. And the other one I keep sticking in my head—it's not—it's not a horror film, but it goes to a pretty dark place. It's a South Korean film called Burning by Lee Chang Dong. It's
0: Love great. it. Love, I possibly my favorite movie. What was? Did that come out last year? I have no uh, sense of time anymore, so I don't know if that came out last year or what, sure. or the year before. Yeah. But recent, recent, the year that it came out, I put it in my top like three. It was like vying with other movies. It's unbelievably. I, here's the thing, right? I I agree. It's not in the strictest sense a horror yeah. movie, but it's so fucking menacing yeah. that it doesn't right. matter. Like anyone who appreciates horror for the emotional yeah. feeling it can give you would like this movie, even though there's not like a. There's not like a moment where you're like, oh, we've crossed over into yeah. what I would consider horror. It, it is such a masterful tension builder. It's yeah. unbelievable. Somebody
2: recommended it to me like, Dean, you've got to see Burning. You're really going to like it. And I just put it on. I was like completely immersed and couldn't stop thinking about it. It's been like a week. And Stephen Yoon, Yoon from Walking Dead is uh, yep. uh, one of the major uh, players in it. And he's fantastic and really menacing. In such a quiet way that, you know, I think you'll really like it, Justin. Yeah. I'll
1: check it out. Yeah, yeah.
0: The, that sort of movie where a character can be menacing in a unassuming way is actually more upsetting because that's how actual scary people are. Like scary <laughs> people don't actually run around yelling and threatening people. They just sort of have a way of being in the world where you go, "Oh, that guy's a, that guy's probably a killer." Yeah. All right, never mind. <laughs> Leave him yeah. alone.
1: I mean, it's it's the way it, it's the way I've I've been talking about um, this season, uh, this this the current season of The Boys. Oh, yeah. And how the character of Homelander is so fucking terrifying, even though he has yet to raise his voice this season. And it's like that's how that's how legitimate psychopaths are in real life. They don't like, you know. I mean, well, they do kill your cat and all that shit, but they usually just like manipulate you and make you feel bad about yourself and. All that fun stuff.
2: Yeah, I, ha- I have been watching that and also uh, like it a lot. And Lovecraft Country is the other. Oh. Oh. It's the other one. Also terrific.
0: I I'm gonna go ahead and say that the the episode of Lovecraft Country that just yeah. happened. So that was uh, four. Are we four in now? Is that I think where we're at? Five. Five. Uh, So the the one that just happened was with all the transformation stuff, which I won't spoil for people. But I I thought that was very good. The episode before that, I hated the end of the episode. It made me very unhappy. And I don't (laughs) think that they really worked it out yet. I think they're going to get there where it's all right. But again, for people who haven't watched it, I won't say, but there's a character who is given very little time and then summarily is gone. And I don't think the show has really wrestled with that in a way. So when people who uh, identified with that character felt a certain way about it, I I feel like they're justified in feeling that way because they're like, oh look, I- I'm represented in a show. Oh, and now I'm gone. All right, see you later. Like uh, that's that's kind of gets kind of not given a- enough time. now. I-, I get the feeling with the plot uh, around the character who, you know, again, I'm trying to avoid spoilers here, but the character who was involved in what happened, I think that's going to actually lead us to a place that deals with some of the yes. identity issues yeah. involved. But even then, it's only going to deal with one aspect. There's also the other idea that that this character's uh, ethnic slash racial cultural background, which is also meaningful, and that the connection then to, uh, uh, you know, being two-spirited, sorry, I just, whatever. Sorry, spoilers, whatever. Uh, uh, The the two-spirited aspect is complicated, and this is, as far as I know, the first time we've ever seen an actual two-spirited character in anything on television, ever. So the fact that, like, it's just kind of thrown out there and is conflated with... (laughs) Anyways, point is, I think it was handled rough, and it bums me out, because I think the rest of the show has been pretty smart. So I was kind of like, eh, hopefully this comes back around because if this is it, if this is all we got, then uh, people have a right to be bumped. Like they have a right to be like, hey, that that that's really important to me. And you kind of just this was almost it. It felt like a throwaway character.
1: I, I'm hoping that with the way that this past week's episode ended, that they kind right. of explore that aspect further. Um, just because right before that happened Mm -hmm. i had you know turned to my friend that i watch it with and i was like we haven't seen these characters in the same room together at the same time so is this that and then when it was it was like well which one is the um which one is the butterfly and which why, which one is the man to quote the you know mencius the chinese philosopher It's my my philosophy degree coming out right there um so I, I think the show is interested in exploring not just uh, sexuality, but gender as well. Um, and I'm curious where they go with that.
0: I would, I would, I would like to think that, there, that that's going to be, because I, I remember, again, this was two weeks ago now from when we're recording. Um, there was a lot of people upset. And, you know, it's really easy as horror people. That when people are watching something horror and they get upset about some piece of violence, you're it's it's easy to be like, Well, that's what it is, guys. It's violence. Like that's something bad's gonna happen. But I think just the way that character was treated was very light, considering how much baggage is around that character. So, anyways, point being, otherwise I'm really enjoying the show. Yeah. But I just had to name that because I just remember thinking like it ended, and I looked at Susan, and I was like, come on, that can't be the whole, that's not it, right? Like, that's not the end of that, but come on. So, I don't know. We'll see where it goes.
2: Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I could go on for probably the entire episode about, now that you guys are like talking about it, it's like, uh, I'm thinking about it even more and more, but it's, it's really interesting how it uh, sort of brings in gender and sexuality, and uh, of course... Uh, of course, the the cast and the the issues of race, which has this, makes a very tense atmosphere. You know, it just adds this whole other layer to it, which I've never seen before. I mean, on especially on television, it's like incredible. Um, yeah. Agreed. But I, I agree with you uh, about that particular character. Um, but like this last episode with the whole transformational aspect then it, it's it's like wow right. how wow it's just you know it really messes with that whole you know ideas of of uh you know color and gender and i mean i i, mm-hmm. I think i read somebody say that you know in one episode there are more ideas going through it in most most features and uh, yeah you know i agree i agree it really gets gets me thinking and it's, it's pretty cool it's pretty cool
1: yeah, I'm I'm way into it, and I'm way stoked with with, with how they're handling yeah. it. I am very happy. Yeah, yeah.
2: Did you do anything else, Dean? That's about it. Uh, you know, uh, I watched uh, well because we were talking or at least exchanging uh, messages about it. I I hadn't seen it in a long time, but uh, I watched American Werewolf in London again. Um, I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, and uh, you know. It was, uh, it holds up great. And it was, a uh, the quality of it was like the best I'd ever seen it. So I was impressed. You know, it was like, it's always been a movie to me, my eye that it's been, it's kind of a grainy, it's, you know, it's, it's a movie with a lot of grain in it and it, it can either look too dark or too bright, but this time it looked really good. It looked really good. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I caught things that I hadn't seen before and I, I liked it. I liked it mm-hmm. a lot.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh when I when uh it's funny speaking of an American Werewolf in London and, and Lovecraft Country, when I was watching Lovecraft Country this past episode, I was like there there is like there's no way that <laughs> when they were like okay how are we gonna approach this they were like they had to be like who is who is an American Werewolf in London like how about that because there are so many like the the shots and how painful it looked that they it felt a lot like a. Uh, like
2: the Rick yeah. Baker stuff from *An American War for London*. Maybe that's why I watched it. Oh. You know, it could have been that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be. Yeah, yeah
2: okay. it was. It was that. It was no. It was no Pumpkinhead. Sorry, Liam.
1: Uh, you know. <laughs> Liam loves that movie. Uh. <laughs>
2: can we just not? Can we just not? Oh, with all the abuse towards Stan Winston's Pumpkinhead. It's gonna reach out from the grave and just be like, "Why?"
0: I would welcome it. I would welcome it. Come, come for me, Pumpkinhead. Because you love that movie. It's your favorite one movie. good punch and it would be over. For <laughs> me yes, because you
1: love it so much, you would make sure it was just one punch to, to, to make it merciful and, and quick. It's the worst. Movie ever. <laughs> it's not the worst movie ever.
0: No, it's really not. It's not even close. I just don't. We're not going to get into it right now. We've done this enough online. We don't need to bring it into the uh, podcast. I've made I've made too many memes about it.
2: I'm such an instigator. I had to do it once. I had to get it out.
0: No, I appreciate it. I I think if I'd grown up with it, I'd have the appreciation other people do. It's a
2: coo- it's a cool monster. It's a really cool monster, you know. And I, I, as a kid, yeah. I, I I really I was like, wow, it's it's you know, it's worth watching just for that. You know, just for the the, the practical effects of it. You know, it's like I I miss that stuff. You don't get to see it too often.
1: Um, yeah, well, Stan, Stan Winston is dead and Trump is president, so you know. Ah.
2: That's what we get. <laughs> it's a real horror movie. Um, living through it, huh? Uh, yeah. What else have you guys? Well, I think that's American Wolf in London, and I think and, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's about it, guys. I, I think that's.
0: I uh, I finished. Um, is it? She dies tomorrow. Oh,
2: I haven't movie? seen that. Yes.
0: Very good. I liked it a lot. It it was. I think it was a bad movie to break. I had to, you know. The way my life is now, dear listener, is that um, I don't always get an hour and a half or two hours to sit through a movie in one go. I often have to break it up. And that was a bad movie to break up. It's a vibe. That is so much a atmosphere vibe movie that breaking it up was a disservice. Because I think if I had sat through it all in one go, it would have sucked me in a little bit more. And yet, by the end, I was invested in, in it. It is, It is just a weirdly upsetting nightmare without but is kind of funny and that's the part that weirds me out about it is that like hey this is kind of upsetting and yet i'm laughing at aspects of this movie what's going on it's like a it's like maybe maybe it's a maybe it's its own kind of gallows humor or something but i liked it and then i also started well i'm just finished a movie a documentary called um Uh, in search of darkness has have either one of you watched it so we have friends who worked on it and so i was excited to watch it and mm, i think if you're someone who is not entirely familiar with 80s horror it would be a fun documentary however however it's you know it's over three hours of stuff that the sort of obsessive people who probably want to watch it already know. And so it was actually, it's actually great for what I ended up using it for, which is it's on while I'm doing things. (laughs) So I'm kind of paying attention to it, but I'm not totally invested because the first hour it's like, again, some great things are covered, but I just feel like, and Justin will tell you, like as much as a horror fan I am, I'm not a fact guy. I'm not one of these people that's like, well, actually, if you know about this, then Rick Baker, blah, 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 That's not who I am, and yet there was so much information I already knew. And I'm like, yo, if I'm not learning anything new, then the true obsessive weirdos who would be like, well, a documentary on 80s horror, i got to watch that, how could they be totally invested in this? Because there's nothing – there's not enough there. I mean, there were a few things here and there, but there there wasn't enough meat there for me to think it would be satisfying. Now, I do understand there's a sequel – and the whole point of the sequel is to get weird with it and explore like all the stuff that they couldn't explore in the in the first one. So it's like the same period is covered, but they're covering a bunch of movies that they didn't talk about and they're getting into some of the other sort of weird stuff they didn't get to talk about. That sounds great. I'm all for that. I think the sequel could be great. But this movie I just thought it's fine. I you know, it's not it's not poorly done or anything. It was great seeing Phil uh it was great seeing some other folks that i've talked to a little bit but um but i just think if you are already now i should acknowledge though in all of this i'm doing something that i think me and justin do sometimes which is like we we kind of don't acknowledge that there are people younger than us you know probably because i don't believe they're listening to this podcast but if you are some magical unicorn of a young person who found this podcast you're not real
1: you're not real question yourself
0: You you might be real, and if you are, this might be great for you. Like, you know, I've talked to Justin knows this because he's been on there too. I'm on I'm on TikTok sometimes. I do the TikTok. I'm old, but I still do it. And occasionally, I find movie TikToks, and it's always a question of how old they are. Because if they're younger than me, sometimes they're like having their mind blown by something I grew up with, and it'd be easy for me to like not respect that, but. They're younger than me. Like, I had to discover all kinds of stuff. I'm still discovering stuff. I'm 41 years old, and I'm still watching things that people grew up with, and I'm like, oh, I never caught that. So when I'm like, well, we all know all this stuff. Well, if you're 22 and you're just getting stoked on horror, this movie might be, like, the holy grail for you. Because in those three and a half hours, they cover every important movie, I think, of the 80s. Now, they don't cover all of my favorites, but they cover every sort of like you know somewhat large, somewhat influential horror movie of the entire decade, plus with asides about special effects or about certain genres or whatever. So it is it is pretty. Do they cover good. Pumpkinhead? No. <laughs> well, a, it's a legit
2: question. I mean, did they? I it know, yeah. A legit it's question. 80s. Yes, They did. They did. Yes. See, there you go. It where where that was your favorite you mind, part? Uh, where did you see this?
0: It's on Shudder right credit. now.
2: I don't have Shudder yet. Not yet.
0: Uh, I, Shudder's I, great. I mean, people have different opinions. For me, I think it's great. I think uh, it, it covers my two bases, right? Which is, there's still stuff on there that's older stuff that I haven't yeah. gotten to see yet. You know, so I'm never bummed on that. And then they regularly get new stuff. And not all that new stuff is good. But if, you know, if you don't have all the money in the world, then, and even sometimes when you do, not everything you acquire is going to be good. So... I'm not. I don't judge them. That sometimes they are like. We got this new thing. We just got this whatever, and I check it out. I'm like, ooh, that was a, that was a swing and a miss. Because there's plenty of times where they're premiering stuff. I wouldn't get to, especially right now, where none of us are going to festivals for the most part. You know, except for virtually, and even then, a lot of people probably listening to this podcast haven't gone to any virtual festivals. Shutter sometimes is your only chance to catch new hard. Wow. So I think it's great for that too. Um, but you know, I know not everybody loves it. There's always critics, whatever, whatever. But for me, uh, I like it a lot. And this documentary, like I said, it was, it's not that it was poorly made or anything like that. I just feel like if you're already obsessed with horror and you care about 80s movies, I don't think there's much there for you to like chew on. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But that was it, Justin. I watched She Dies Tomorrow. I watched In Search of Darkness. That's all <laughs> I got. <Sorry laughs> That's about. a lot. That's okay. To me, I don't know. It's two things. Yeah, I feel pretty good,
1: actually. I, uh, in addition to Lovecraft Country, you know, we went over it already. The only thing I really did was, um, I watched that South Korean film, uh, hashtag alive.
0: Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. How was that? Um, it was good. It kind of, I mean,
1: the comparisons to, like, um, The Night Eats the World were pretty, that's what it reminded me of. It wasn't as, like, intense as that, but... Weirdly, I don't know why this why this comparison kept popping in my head. Um Do either of you remember back in twenty eleven um there was a trailer for the video game Dead Island. Yeah. It's oh like God, that. The trailer was so fucking good. Yeah, yeah, I remember that.
2: It's it's it it's it's like
1: Yeah, there, there's a lot of like I didn't play it, um, but I remember the trailer. Oh yeah, apparent apparently the, the actual game is dog shit. Yeah. But the the, the the trailer is like holy like I, I posed about something about it on Facebook and people were like oh my god that trailer fucked me up, but no it it kind of had like a weird sense of like melancholy to it in that the loss of the main ca- of the protagonist's family was like largely front and center and like just the sense of lo- it was like there was a sense of like loneliness and isolation and then it was like there was also a sense of grief in there. And I thought that was, you know, that you don't often see that in quote unquote zombie sure. films where, uh, you know, you're, cause you're too busy trying not to be fucking eaten alive and they don't often deal with the, uh, of, of, of grieving over like a, over a, a, like a loved one. So I thought, I thought, I mean, it wasn't an amazing movie. It was fun to watch, but I do think that that the aspect of, of dealing with grief, um, was enough to make it kind of stand out from the pack.
2: Well, uh, I, I've, I've seen The Night Eats the World, and I really liked it, uh, but where did you see Hashtag Alive?
1: I think it's on Netflix. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, it's, it's on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's also very, like, uh, I keep seeing a lot of comparisons to, like, Train to Busan, but I think that's only because they're both, like, Korean, like, sure. zombie movies. They're actually, like, very different, um, but it's it's worth a watch. Like, you know, it's, like, 90 minutes, it's... Like a good movie to throw on if you got nothing to do for two hours.
2: Cool. You just reminded me I, I did see yeah. uh, the first episode of the Ridley Scott show, Raised by Wolves.
1: So good, so good.
2: I, I was surprised I liked it as much as I did. I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure at the beginning of it. I was like, I don't know. It seems like something I've seen before, but by the end of it, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah. This it it different.
1: Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, I, I that's another movie I keep seeing people compare it to like Prometheus oh. and all that, and it's like it's like no, it's that you're only saying that because it's Ridley Scott, it involves androids, like that's I the didn't only think reason about you're it. saying that. I didn't
2: think about it. Yeah, I liked it,
1: but yeah, I dug it a lot. I like that Ridley Scott is again, like you know, dealing with like AI and you know what it means to be a person. I'm always a fan of movies that examine that, um, and there's it just. It has a very like Warren Ellis vibe to me. Oh yeah. Um, Like I, it actually, I actually reread Super God uh, because of that, and it it made me me think of um, like a sort of transhuman interpretation of a superhero. And I think this show kind of deals with persons and beings, like normal everyday run of the mill persons, as uh, like a like a post human transhuman. Uh, entity, which I think is cool with gore. Yeah, with, with a, a lot, lot of, of good gore. gore.
2: I wasn't expecting. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah that that was that was a little. Uh, when shit start popping <laughs> off, I was like, Oh, okay, that's. I forgot I'm watching a Ridley Scott film, like or something or, or something involving Ridley Scott. Yeah, that I didn't is.
2: even until his credit came up. I didn't know he uh, he actually directed it. I thought he was just uh, an exec producer on it. So it was really. Yeah. It's right it's very cool. Remind me of the Martian. After it's a little bit of the mart, like the atmosphere, the Martian, yes. with some of Prometheus yeah. thrown in, but it was just different. I liked it, very good.
1: I also uh, a really cool thing about that is I don't know if they mention it in the, in the first episode, but because the whole whole series is is about like atheism versus like a the like a like a like a theological a theocracy, mm-hmm. so like a lot of the there's so many references to like. I shouldn't say so many because there's one really cool reference is when, is it at the end of the first episode when they ask Mother what her name is and she says Lamia? Uh, which is like this, yes. like, was That's that? Just, and, yep. Yeah. And like we were watching it, it was like a slow day down at work, so we had that on and I was like, oh shit, I, I know where, the, if, if she's saying she's a fucking demon who steals the children of others, yeah. like I know exactly where this is going and I'm all on
2: board. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> Liam looks intrigued. He's like, <laughs>
0: I I had no interest in watching this, and that just hearing you guys talk about it, I'm like, uh, maybe I should just give it a yeah, try. Give, give it a try. Yeah.
2: I, I was I was like you, and then uh, uh, give it a shot, and was like, okay, Bob, uh, he's got me, he's got me. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool.
0: I feel like I'm already committed to too many TV shows. I'm like Whatever. trying to make space for more movies. I know. So.
2: I know I feel the same way. Like, no, I can't watch something. I need to watch more movies, and you know, and then. You've got another really cool show come on and
1: yeah, all you assholes on Facebook got me into fucking Cobra Kai ah, and now I'm watching I haven't that, watched that yet. and and
0: I hear it's and, great and
1: questioning my
2: entire fucking Dude, childhood. Is it really great? Is it really great? Really?
0: Yes, yes. Everyone I know says it it's is, great. I haven't started it yet, but I really there, want to.
2: There is a
1: lot of like, there is a lot of cheesiness, but there's also a lot of like really, really like heavy intense adult themes in there um especially about like growing up um dealing with past trauma dealing with abuse um the way we view memory because like obviously like when um ralph macchio talks about mr miyagi he's this kind old man who taught me the way of balance and strength and then like when william Zebka's talk about him he's like oh yeah he jumped me my friends and beat the fucking shit out of us he wasn't a nice old man what are you fucking nuts like so, it's it go it 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 kind of like looks at the interpretation of how we view the past, and it's like which one is more valid because I don't know you've probably seen the YouTube video that examines like the Karate Kid with uh, Daniel as the villain, and you're like oh that actually makes way more sense than the fucking Karate Kid does with him as a hero, but um. Yeah, it's just, it's way good. It's, it's, you know, there's those two You're actors. You're
0: only saying that because you can't do the crane kick. If you could do the crane uh, kick I with Oh, I thought me, you could do the crane kick. Oh, uh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, sure. Anyway.
1: <laughs> um, no, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just a fun show. You know, I think it's kind of like exactly what, uh, it's, it's a good palate cleanser when I watch shit like. Yeah, about, like, demented superheroes or fucking evil androids. I'm like, I'll just put this on and see Johnny Johnny Lawrence, like, drink his problems away and vent to his students about his failed marriage and how he hates his son. Like, yeah, that, that's what no. we need.
2: All right, I'll try it. Yeah, I'll yeah. try
1: uh, We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 1972's... Let's see what they call them on Wikipedia. Horror mystery thriller, Sisters. We'll be right back.
0: Conjoined twins called Siamese challenge life at their first breath. Some twins have been separated and
3: lead normal lives. Others never can. Sisters.
1: They were once one in body and perhaps one in mind.
0: Danielle and Dominique. One loving, one hating, one innocent. The other... Where does Danielle end and Dominique begin?
3: It's okay. No, I can't remember. Go back. Try. Remember. He's oh, a freak. We've Freak! freak. 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 Sisters. Rated R.
1: And we are back to talk about 1972's. Brian De Palma-helmed masterpiece. Sisters. A fledgling Staten Island journalist witnesses a brutal murder in the neighboring apartment of a French-Canadian model, but the police do not believe that the crime took place. With the help of a private detective, she seeks the truth. Now, Dean, this is a pick of yours. <laughs> Tell us about this movie and why you like it.
2: Uh, okay, this is... Uh, this is not the first De Palma movie I've seen but I think the first De Palma movie I'd ever seen was Carrie. And because I liked it so much, uh, again, it was like a, a teenager's on television. I discovered uh, Carrie. I was like, wow, this is great. And then, uh, uh, started to find out about De Palma. So, um, I, I uh, God, how did I get into sisters? It may have been one of those VHS things. That's mm. when I first saw it, you know, and I think I got like my dad to rent it for me or something. And, uh, uh, I didn't like it as much as Sisters, and I was confused by the ending, but I really liked the movie, and, uh, then, like, when I saw it again years later, I started to like it more and more, and I started to pick up on things that were, you know, uh, uh, themes and, uh, like, stylistic choices, like split-screen stuff. Uh, in, in Carrie, he had done earlier in Sisters, and I saw that he did it again in, uh, you know, in Dress to Kill, and, uh. Uh, it's just gonna blow out, you know, it's just so, I, I just really dug it and uh, love the Bernard Herman score. Yes. And, um, and it, it, his sense of humor too, he's a, he, he, you know, he's got a, a gallows sense of humor uh, and, you know, he can either be funny to some people or other people won't get it, but I like how the movie really starts off, you know, and they've got like, you know, peeping Toms, you know, starts off through a keyhole and it kind of sets oh, up man. the whole movie. You know, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I wanted to, so that that's why I was like very much into it, and uh, it just it cracks me up. It's like a movie set. It's like a mystery set in Staten Island. You guys like, I've never seen any other <laughs> movie that does that, and uh, and the uh, you know at first it starts with the main character is this is this young black man, and that's really cool. You know, never very unusual uh, uh, for a horror film. Uh, I mean, I think you know especially for that time, period, you had, like, Gone Hess and Night of the Living Dead and not a whole lot uh, about uh, other movies like that. And then it switches, you know, without giving away uh, spoiler... Plot.
0: It's I mean, 1972. We can spoil the shit out All right. of this movie.
2: So then, well, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but is that enough for now? I and mean, then you, you guys Oh yeah, there. totally. Yeah, right. now, you keep going, are you a big go on and on? Well,
0: are you a big De Palma person? Like, the, was De Palma important to you, get, as far as a horror movie director, or even just a director in general?
2: Just as a director in general, too. Even as a horror film director, mostly from a, a, like a, a pure visual storytelling.
3: Sure. Uh, he's yeah.
2: he's. I think he's a master. I mean, he's like, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of mainstream critics call him, uh, 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 Hitchcock, rip off artist, but if you really watch Hitchcock, there's there are ideas he picks up from Hitchcock, but I think he has like more in common with other, other filmmakers that are just you know other European filmmakers. I see like, you know, Fritz Lang and all this other all these other filmmakers that are just different. There's just things that Hitchcock just didn't do. And Hitchcock's great. Also, like, you know, just a master. I just think he's, he's quite different. And there's something very playful about the Palmas movies. And then he hits you. And then he just punches you, like, uh, with something out of the blue. You know, like in Sisters, uh, there's a sequence that kind of, like, hits me. And like the dream, the nightmare sequence in Sisters, or, or in Dress to Kill, you know, there's that, you know, incredible museum scene uh you know where there's like no dialogue and it's just you know the camera and character and then of course like blowout you know with, which i think has one of my favorite endings uh, yes of any movie ever so yeah I, i've been i think uh, you know in terms of like visual artistry i think the palma uh has been kind of uh he's getting his due now but uh i think he's uh He's a great film, and ironically, or coincidentally, not ironically, coincidentally, it was his 80th birthday just the other day. Oh so, mm-hmm. shit! Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The Paradise. What one of you have an avatar of? of that's uh, me. It's that one, one of my.
0: It's one of my favorites of all time.
2: It's a great movie. You know, it's a great. It's so movie. fun
0: and ridiculous, and yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a I'm a pretty big De Palma fan. I'm actually so glad he picked Sisters because it's on a very short list of De Palma films I had not seen. Uh, and it's, I think, the only one of his earlier's A lot of the De Palma I have not gotten back to is the like later. You know, it's like I, I, yeah. I just haven't had the gumption. I, yeah. I, I think there's still some good stuff in later. I'm not writing it off, but yeah. I have, a, I have a pretty great handle on the classic, and now I'm gonna, you know, slowly get to this later stuff. Which again, yeah. people defend to me, but I, I'm just less excited. I'm just, I'm just not as excited about revisiting some of that you know so whatever but uh the uh, on the list of early stuff i've i've seen i mean not the student films which you can you can see now i think there's a release of that but as far as his other stuff sisters was the only one i hadn't seen so i was really excited when it was on the list like yo this is great because i'm finally going to catch up you know you've just seen it
2: for the first time
0: this is my first time seeing it yeah oh wow Oh wow. yeah, I mean, I think oh, that was I want to hear.
1: same here. Yeah, this this was this my first time wow. seeing it as well. Oh, yeah. that's
0: pretty. why this was a great. Th- my favorite kind of hard business is when we have a guest on and they pick two things that neither one of us have ever seen, oh, and so we're going, going in totally this. new. Justin, oh, wow. are you a De Palma person? I have never gotten a vibe from you. As far um, I no, I mean, I wouldn't.
1: I don't. He's not a director I dislike, but he's also not a like. I would say that I just dis, dis dislike director like um. Eli Roth, I think, sucks, but I'm not a fan of De Palma in the same way that I'm a fan of like George Romero or Wes Anderson or something like that. Sure. Um, But no, I I I I like this movie, and it's it's funny that I one of you just brought up the uh, the Hitchcock comparison. When I was watching this, for some reason, it felt like a like a spiritual. I don't want to say sequel but it felt very psychoesque to me. You know with the whole idea of like um like at the, the you know the, the the doctor at the end how he's like he hypnotizes the main character and um it felt like he was almost trying to to, to make her as the embodiment of the, of the of the dead sister. Sure. Um and for whatever reason that 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 just struck me as very hitchcockian. A little more heavy-handed but that's 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 how it struck me. He
2: he riffs he riffs on Hitchcock obviously I all agree. the yeah. time. I mean, uh, one of his uh, I, I don't know if it's it's from seventy six, so it's like the same year as Carrie. I don't know if it was. I think it may have been made before Carrie, and they just released it the same year. But it was a movie called Obsession with uh, right. yeah Jean Vigo and Cliff Robertson. I think I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's like it's very much like Vertigo, you know, mm-hmm. and it's mm. it's. Uh, it's beautiful in its own way. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I haven't seen it since, you know, since I was a teenager, I think. And, uh, like, uh, Paul Schrader, I think, wrote the script. It's, it's a, it, but he riffs on, on a lot of, like, Hitchcock ideas. And he, is, uh, he's a really sard- he has a really sardonic sense of humor. If you listen to him talk about his movies or you see the documentary De Palma, you know, by Noah Baumbach. Love it. It's it's really good. You know, and and even though I know a lot about De Palma, De, De Palma's filmmaking and like some of the behind the scenes stuff, it was still great to listen to it, to him because he's just like he's he's dry. He's got such a dry sense of humor, and uh, I think it comes through in his movies too. And, and and in Sisters, you know, there's like this like the doctor. You know, uh, there's this like kind of mad doctor with a slick back hair and. He's right. got this like weird accent that, out of some, you know, old like old movie, and you think at any moment he's going to drop the accent and talk like he's from the Bronx or something. To me, that's right. what it that's what it kind of seems like. But
0: I I uh, I really enjoyed this film. I so you were talking about De Palma's visual storytelling, and what I thought was interesting is that while there's a lot of style to this movie. It's a little. I think sometimes people are off-put by some of his sure. uh, stylistic choices. It, it seems almost too much. You know, I've heard people accuse him of being a part of the movie in a way, like he's there with you. In the, in, he's so present in his decisions on whether it's yeah. the, you know, the optic or all all that stuff that he's like there. He's like, I'm here. This is a De Palma movie, and this movie had less of that. And at first, I was kind of like. As someone who loves that, I'm like, oh, you know, this is a little less whatever. But he still <laughs> manages to just impress you with some fucked up shit. Like, this is a movie that could have just been, yeah, you know, she goes a little crazy. Some people get killed. It's whatever. It, it, it could have had a charming but cheesy feel. And the film just keeps pushing the actual psychosis of it all even though there's nothing when it comes to the actual mental health believable about this film at all this is <laughs> the perfect example of Hollywood psychology there's no yeah. basis in reality whatsoever and yet it doesn't matter it's upsetting all the way through by the time sh- you know the our our, our uh, intrepid journalist is getting hypnotized and you're seeing the the array of characters watching the, the uh, Siamese twin separation and all that stuff. <laughs> it's so upsetting that I was like, "Wow, De Palma really pulled it out." You know, I was thinking this is good, but it's not anything to write home about. And by the time it's over, I'm like, "Thank you, sir. You've really fucked up my night. I really I, appreciate
1: that." I, I, I think one of the one of the darker aspects of this movie um, was something I, that I thought when they first introduced it. I thought I was going to think was like super corny was the hip, the, the concept of hypnosis. Cause like you said, Liam, this is a very like Hollywood pop psychology, like, you know, sure, right, and there's, right, There's multiple personalities and blah, blah, blah. And you know, all this shit. Um, but then when, um, the doctor dies before he can sort of, um, un- snap her out of the hypnosis, yeah. there's the implication that she's just stuck that way. Yep. And I don't know why, but that, like, that I thought, for me, that was, like, the most, like, fucked up part of the movie. Was just the idea of, like, um, it was, like, office space, only shitty. You know, like, how, like, <laughs> it like, well, it's
0: Well, he's taken the punchline to a joke, right? The guy who's convinced he's a chicken, and then he's yeah, just a exactly. chicken forever. Yeah. It could literally be the punchline to a joke your uncle tells you. And he makes it haunting. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah now she, this is who she is. Now that's just how it is. Oh, the 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 idea that psychology is much like magic—a force that you should not mess with because the effects are more than any human can reckon with—is like it feels antiquated because we, as a culture, have, in some ways, so I wouldn't say in every way, abandoned our deep fear of our own minds in the same way that speak we for have yourself. Had. That's you true. Go. That's true. But. At the time, I mean... Did you say go uh, fuck yourself? No, I said speak, said, speak, for, speak for yourself. For yourself. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. I, <laughs>
2: I, I just
0: mean in the sense of like, at this time, you could very much have a psychologist. You, like, if you had a guy who's like, I'm a psychologist, in a film, that guy could convince a whole room of people that they were monkeys and those people would beat each other to death. And you'd be like, yeah, that's how it works. That's That's... <laughs> This is right. This is how it works. This is what head shrinkers do. And now we're less afraid of it in the way that they were then. And yet no part of me when the movie ended was like that was stupid. That was unrealistic. That was stupid and unrealistic. It was only god how fucking terrifying would it no, because be. Because
1: it's, it's that what happens in this movie is the exact is is why I think stuff like that is kind of dangerous because this movie came out in 72 Right, so we're like what, um, eight years, nine years out from like the Satanic Panic, and
0: right, right. It, it, oh,
2: okay. it's the
1: it's the same thing of like I mean the two were like far removed from each other, but um, the whole like pop psychology and uh, that whole movement of I, I, I keep one that's I, I don't want to say like um, pop psychology is the perfect term for it. It, it it's basically like. You're, you you. have people who know how to influence other people and they don't realize how dangerous that can be because you can fuck someone up very easily. I don't mean you can convince sure, someone right. to do some, like, Manchurian candidate shit, but, like, um, you could, for example, convince a child that their parents had molested them and and, and and put in their heads, like, legit memories of that. And that's, you know, because I'm a fucking obsessive crazy person when it comes to stuff like this, thinking about this movie... That's where I went with it, and that's where, that's the thing that fucked me up the most, was because it's weird. Like I, I think there was also there's there also an element of like, um, Margot Kidder's character dealing with, or not dealing with, um, the death of her sister, and the doctor mm-hmm. being like, kind of manipulative about that, and like using that against her, and like a, as like a control method, sort of.
0: Well, I mean, just the idea that the doctor's like. Hey, sister! Look the other way while I'm intimate with someone who is attached to you. There's you know that, what I mean? yeah. That in of itself, like the whole thing again, detached from the movie there are so many tawdry aspects of this film that could seem stupid or ridiculous or like, oh, was that in a soap opera? And yet, I didn't feel that way about this movie at all. Like, I've you know, it is over the top. It has a certain campiness to it. But at no point was I like, dumb. This is dumb. That's dumb. Oh, this is dumb. I was like in. Even, yeah. even when the dude is, you know, watching the couch, I'm like, yeah, man, that's right. You know, like, there's just... For whatever reason, this is a wild ride that I went on without any note of cynicism. I just was like, De Palma is doing it right now, you know.
2: Why? Why? Uh, why do you think that is? You think well, you just you, you were convinced like that world that he sets up from the beginning is kind of like you just like you know you went into it and and you were and however like outlandish shit got you you were cool with it, right? Is that what?
0: I think that's part. I think. I think yes. Um, I think, I mean, okay, so obviously Margot Kidder, I like, I love Margot Kidder, so that's obviously part of it, but I actually think that, um, is that right, Jennifer Saul. Jennifer, Jennifer Saul.
1: yeah, yeah. Is, uh, is great. I actually,
0: I actually think she's so compelling, because she is on board with how real this is, and how important it is, and the stakes of it, so even if Margot Kidder and her weird, uh... Her, uh, her, her weird doctor lover, uh, husband, ex husband. They could chew the scene into the ground. They could literally burn this. They, their, their acting is at some points just yeah. a just a trash fire. And yeah. yet Jennifer Salt sells it. They're do, they're over here like, bah! And she's like, you're like, well, this is real. Yeah. Clearly, it's real for for Grace. So it's real for me. You know, like that. I I I just think I I don't want to hang too much on her, but I just feel like she's our anchor in a movie where, and it's not just uh, William Finley; it's also uh, Charles Durning. Is this yeah. ridiculous character actor who's like, oh, blah, blah. like every all of his energy could be like, oh, this is a skit from a from a sitcom or yeah, something. You know what I mean? Good
2: detective, right? I mean, no, he's like, a horrible detective. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, but but yeah. with all this ridiculousness around her. She offers this core... Cool, I mean, it's not that different, really, than aspects of Phantom of the Paradise, right? Like, Phantom of the Paradise is funny, and it's ridiculous, but there's an emotional core carried by Absolutely. certain characters that makes the thing work, where you're like, it's not just funny. It's funny, yeah. but it's not just funny.
2: No, no, I think that's part of the pleasure of, like, why I like uh, some of these movies of, of the right. like Palma's films. Yeah. It's like, there's... Some people really are turned off by and they're like, what? Like, you know, and Carrie right? There's, like, one of my favorite sequences in any movie is when Amy Irving, you know, the camera's on her, and, it reali- and she realizes that something is going on at the prom. And so mm-hmm. she... We follow her point of view as she uh, realizes that Nancy Allen and Travolta are going to pull this mean prank on Carrie and William Cat, And he does this with the camera and no dialogue. And just music. And, like, it's both, like, funny and really suspenseful and uh, and beautiful at the same time. And I think when he pulls that off and it works, it really works. And I think mm-hmm. The Sisters is, like, is his first horror film or thriller. It's the first time he's done it. He'd done some features beforehand, but as I had, like, read, is like he started to realize what he was good at. And, like, his right. satire and his sense of humor weren't successful. I think he had done, like, four features and some shorts before but they weren't they weren't landing well and his studio feature was a disaster it was this comedy i've never seen it it's hard to get it's like a, it's called like get to know your rabbit or something like that and uh yeah i know here was a disaster i think orson walls is in it and um so he, he tried sisters and and uh and it, it it worked so like his sense of humor kind of blended with it and then he's got like that you know these murder scenes and the, the, they're really mm-hmm. strong like. You know, the yeah. guy gets, if we can talk about it for a minute, you know, it, yeah. when it hits, it's like the guy gets stabbed in the crotch and then in the mouth. And it's like. Oh, my God. Yeah. Whoa. Like, oh.
0: The mouth stab is like really, I I really stopped myself for a second and thought, what year did this movie come out? Because it's, it's intense. It's cruel yeah. and intense.
2: Whew. Yeah, it's, it's uh, good. You know, you don't get to see like stuff like that around that era. No. Right. That, no. that sort of works as well.
1: I think one of the scenes when you want to talk about, like, the weird kind of, like, midnight chuckle style humor is when um, Jennifer Salt is, like, telling the cops, like, I I saw the fucking murder in this apartment. Like, someone got, there was someone here, and uh, she, like, goes to get the cake that this guy (laughs) had made for her with Mm -hmm. with the two names on it. And as she's, like, it's this big moment where she's running to take it up to them, and then she trips and falls and ruins it. And it's such a silly thing. You're like, oh, she was hinging all her hopes of proving a murder on a cake. And then, but it's still, I don't know, it's still, it's still like infused with this like weight of great importance. Like, this could be what proves it. And then it fucking doesn't. And I mean, yeah, it's just like Liam was saying earlier how like her performance kind of like weighs everything in is that I shouldn't be buying the fact that she called the cops and was like, they murdered someone in this room, and then she's allowed it in this room with the cops, putting mm-hmm. her hands all over everything. I should be <laughs> like, "What the fuck? no, That's not how no. but I don't know. it's just it, it, she, she was so believable that it it, it really uh, it really kept me from sort of checking out
0: hmm. yeah. let me let me take us on a brief aside here, okay. Uh-huh. I have a feeling, Justin, what the answer from you is going to be, but I want to know Dean's answer. Have sure. either one of you read the comic book Alpha Flight? Uh,
2: yes. It's been the original? Like, yes, the back. original yeah, Alpha yeah, yeah. Flight. Yeah.
0: The character of Aurora in Alpha Flight, I am convinced, is stolen from this movie because Aurora is a French-Canadian who has oh, a split my. personality, and every wow. time anyone comes onto her sexually, <laughs> she could, she reverts to the other personality, who is not a murderer, but is a problem for her. And watching this film, I was sitting there going, has John Byrne ever seen this movie? Because if so, he stole this. This is so much Aurora. This is Aurora. It's what after Sisters, fuck? yeah. And now
2: I've got to look this up. So it's like, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to be like... <laughs> <laughs> it's, and, it's, and it's, it's it's possible. Yeah.
0: It's 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 I mean it's the the connected the conjoint twins aspect is not there. But the portrayal of Aurora's uh sickness is to me exactly like it is in this movie, both of which are over the top. And John Byrne, you know, he starts Alpha Flight in the eighties. By the time he's writing this, I'm thinking what this feels ridiculous! Like, why is this how he chose to portray this character? Who's like one of his heroes, and she's just you know, it's just like you know, not very sensitive. But then when I was yeah. watching this movie, I'm like, well, if he's just aping De Palma, then actually this kind of makes sense a little bit. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe he's not. Maybe it's a coincidence. I'm not saying it, it's true. It All be, I'm saying but, is know, it feels like he was very influenced by this movie.
2: But the you know, like the Joker was was influenced by uh, a, a silent film. You know the 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 man who laughs, right? It's like so. I mean, you know, you know where where we get our ideas and like, you know, from different art forms. It it absolutely could have been a movie that really hit him, or you know, had it. You know, entered his psyche somewhere, and he just like remembered it. Like I think, you know, maybe he had a crush on Margot Kidder. You know, I mean, she's, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I don't maybe know. She's I don't beautiful. know. Beautiful. I mean, Margot Kidder know. is the best. Oh my gosh, right?
0: it was like part of my excitement going in, which like not only another diploma film, but I'm like, you know, oh, Margot Kidder. Like I have not seen enough Margot Kidder movies. Period. So like, I don't know. I was excited about that as well. Uh, yeah, I I think this movie's great. I think uh, I think I like that. Obviously, in the you can put this in the framework of like uh, psychotic women movies, you know, like w- w- women who have some trauma and then it, sure. it comes out in violence or whatever. Despite how ridiculous the psychology of this movie is, I just found it really affecting for what is really a pulpy. It's a very pulpy horror movie. It's not like it's not gritty and 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 dark in the way that you would think. But by the time it's over, I, I don't know. I found it really affecting.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it it has. Uh, it's weird because it, it has almost like a noir storyline, but it's very sure. brightly. It's but it's very brightly lit. It's like an anti noir right. almost. I mean, even down with the private detective who's like following the couch. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs>
2: um, Wait, which I, I gotta say that that I gotta tell you guys the ending. When I was a uh, you know when I when I first saw it, I still was like, I. Just didn't get it. I just found it a disappointing ending. But you know, you know, years later, I think it's a great ending. It's just really funny that the the, the dumb, you know, uh, detective is just left hanging, like kind of like Jennifer Saul. Like, was she ever going to snap out of that? She's always going to be right. like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was no murder, right? It's like there was. You know, what's the thing that she repeats? It's like you know. Uh, uh there was no body, right? Because there was yeah. no murder. She just keeps repeating it. It's just it's uh
0: well and I think it's worth pointing out too that like A, as you already said Dean, that this is a black character, which is not that common. But yeah. B that her grace is a fighting against a corrupt police force. Like that's why sure. the cops are very skeptical towards her because she's constantly right. writing about them being abusive and mistreating civil right. rights mm-hmm. folks. I think part of that might be context, like the Palma's like this is what's going on and this is whatever. But I don't, I don't think that's entirely it. There's also this idea of like, there's a, <laughs> there's a dead African American man who's not going to get justice, even that's with right. this, even with this detective hot on the case of the couch. It's never going <laughs> to happen. And so right. like I, I, I don't think it's a. I'm not trying to say there's a deep message or anything, but I do think there's a little bit of like a, you know, in, in all of this mess, the actual you know death of this guy is not quite lost in the shuffle but it's a little lost in the shuffle you know it's a little like oh yeah there's a guy in that couch you know yeah, like you that for, is you, you part of the story
1: it, you forget how it all starts by the time we're learning about Siamese twins and evil right. hypnosis doctors we're like oh that's right a, a, a likable character was brutally murdered at the beginning of this movie yeah
2: I don't yeah I don't think it's I I, I think De Palma, De Palma was a, a, a he was a very politically active yep. guy yeah. in the 60s and um, very, of course, against uh, the Vietnam War, and uh, that's through the the that enters the some of his earlier films like Hi Mom and Greetings and the, the wedding party. I mean, it's all through there, um, through his films, and, and uh, I I think he was absolutely aware of it. I mean, the where they go to dinner, Kidder and the uh, uh, you know her lover, they they go to what yeah. it's called like the African room, and it's got these... well yeah. You know, it's, it's, they, and they, he laughs about it. Like, he's, it's offensive and he knows it, but he can't do anything about it because the dinner's free and they're there together. And she doesn't care, right? I mean, th- right. Th- uh, she doesn't care about, you know, she just likes the guy.
0: Well, the feeling you get is that the African room doesn't seem so bad in and of itself, but the idea that, like, oh, we've got two prizes. For you, black man, we got the African room. For you, white lady, we got some other restaurant that's not the African room. That's really the... Because I thought, like, oh, man, the African room is going to be the worst. And when you first get there, there's this horribly offensive art piece, and you're like, oh, the African room is going to be terrible. And then when you get into the African room, you're like... It doesn't seem so bad, actually. Music's good. People are having nice dinner. Whatever, whatever. But the first shot, you're like, "This is terrible. <laughs> what is even happening?" And it's, I, you know, that's one of those moments. I bet if you're a younger viewer who doesn't know how uh, the country, believe it or not, used to be even more racist. It's hard to believe, but oh, it used yeah. to be even worse than it is now. And so the idea that you would have a a room you were trying to market to black folks, and the way you were yeah. marketing it was featuring racist art. That yep. was pretty believable in yeah. 1972. Like, yep. yeah, I don't know. We want a room. I don't know. It's Africa room. Get a bunch of those uh, awful lip guys. That'll go over yeah. well. I'm sure no one will mind that. <laughs> and, but that is real. That was probably a real yeah. thing that existed in the world. Yeah.
2: for yeah, for absolutely. younger listeners, for younger listeners, go watch uh, uh, Spike Lee's Bamboozled. You know. You yes, 100. percent
1: uh, It it's funny. We were talking about that that uh, Bamboozled done at work the other day. We have a. Uh, one of our part-time workers is 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 a young black kid and we were talking about it he had never seen it before and uh, i was like yeah hey, you can just you can just start calling me 116th black after the one uh the one <laughs> rapper in that in that movie right yeah it was it, he, he was just he was like what was this movie about and as i was telling him he's like you're making that up and i'm like no i'm, I'm really not uh-huh. like it's a different a different time when they could do that but trust me it's yep yeah bamboozle is great
2: yep yeah, but uh, but you know, getting back to sisters for for a moment, it's like yeah. know, the the uh, uh, Mario Kidder and um, uh, you know she's an she's an immigrant, right? I mean, she's French Canadian. Right. She makes that clear, and it kind of and the other and her lover, he's an outsider. I mean, uh, I, so I always got the sense of these two outsiders that are sort of drawn together, and uh, they're on this ridiculous game show, and then. Uh doesn't she get isn't her prize like that box of colouring? Or, or am I mistaken? Does she get like I was, don't know. What the fuck was not Isn't it? isn't isn't that knife that he's killed with like one of the One, one of the prize? one of the prizes? I that yeah. might be
0: true actually.
2: Yeah. And then I don't uh, remember. You know, so I was like, you know, it's like his setup is always, you know, the construction of it is kind of you know, the way the Palma does it, he's very uh uh You know you like you like these characters, and then suddenly it's like, oh, but you know, like Hitchcock, um, you know, he kind of turns the tables on you, and uh, suddenly that character's off, and then you switch over to the uh, Grace Collier character, right, who you immediately also like, Uh, but she's a woman, right, and it's like the woman's lib movement that was so prevalent in seventy two, and you know they just they don't like her, the cops don't like her, she's a big mouth. She's petite, right? She she's like talking about a murder in Staten Island, you know. When they're they with a respectable doctor who do- looks like you know Dr. Mabusa or something. He's like this, looks totally evil, and uh, uh yeah. Anyway, I could, I just, I, you're what you guys are talking about, or you know, it's then, like flipping a switch in my head about, right, you know because you, like your viewpoints on it.
0: Well, I want to make sure we have we give a, a good amount of time to the tenant because I think we yeah. all have a lot to say about that as well. But uh, if you haven't seen Sisters, uh, sorry for spoiling it for you, but you should definitely see it. Uh, but I'm really glad you you picked it, Dean, because I don't know when I was going to get to it, but I'm really glad I got to see it. It was it was pretty pretty awesome to uh round out my De Palma watching. Now I just have a few more I need to get to. <laughs> yeah, thanks oh, wow. for picking that. That
1: was that was awesome. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about 1976's drama thriller, The Tenant*, also Trima. known as also known as Le Locatore. I, that's not how you pronounce it at all. God damn it. <laughs> we'll be right
3: back. Paris. On a quiet street. In an old building. A dead woman's vacant apartment is waiting. Waiting for the tenant. Roman Polanski is the tenant. In Chinatown, he exposed the dark side of corruption. In Repulsion, he explored a warped mind. In Rosemary's Baby, he examined the occult. Now, the tenant. Something altogether new, altogether chilling. No one does it to you like Roman Polanski. Lieutenant, a Roman Polanski film from Paramount Pictures.
1: And we are back to talk about 1976's drama thriller, The Tenet. Directed by Roman Plansky, written by Roland Topar, Gerard Brock, and starring Roman Plansky, Melvin Douglas, and Isabella Adjani. Mm. Love her. <laughs> um, a bureaucrat rents a, t- a Paris apartment where he finds himself drawn into a rabbit hole of dangerous paranoia. This movie was fucking haunting.
2: And...
1: Yeah. Dean, why'd you pick this movie?
2: Let's talk about it. Uh, God, I had such a messed up, wonderful childhood in a way. Uh, it, it's a movie <laughs> uh, that, again, I, I, most of these movies I saw on television, and my parents were pretty free about letting me watch what I wanted to, uh, you know, as long as it was, you know, within boundaries. They were like, oh, what, what is this old movie? Sure, 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 go ahead watch it. And uh, I don't know, I just, I, I, I loved it. I just really, I thought it was really strangely funny and... Uh, uh, scary, just terrified me. And I had uh, I had the poster of it too, and it was like hanging in my bedroom. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know the tagline on you know, it is really unfortunate. Justin, it's like you know nobody does it to you like Roman. Yes. Like oh <laughs> damn, oh, it's like, I put that on. Yeah, seriously, I,
1: I, I put that on Twitter. I was like two things about this movie. I didn't realize that Isabella and Johnny was in it. And wow, what a fucking horrible tagline.
2: Yeah, but this was this was done, like, the year before, you know, the terrible things transpired. Yes. This, you know, with what he did, which was absolutely horrendous. Uh, so, I didn't, you know, know about any of that stuff, but I loved uh, I loved this movie. Uh, it was just so haunting and just couldn't get out of my head and had to find out about the book that it was based on and what did the hieroglyphs mean. And, and this movie just really, it just really, uh, uh, it was beautiful, too. It was just, it was like... It's one of these movies that it doesn't seem, when you think about a beautiful, visually beautiful film, and you're thinking about like, you know, a Ridley Scott movie where there's a lot of stuff floating in the light, and there's shafts of sunlight coming through windows. It was just this very sort of gloomy but beautiful movie that reminds me of a Magritte painting. You know, it was like the surrealist painter Magritte. It has this kind of like, the color palette and the textures are on a sort of a, a subdued level. But everything is so precise as to what he wants you to see, and he never really—he te- never tells you what it's about. And the exposition is as you're following the character Tchaikovsky and you're learning about him, and you're sucked into this sort of like rabbit hole, you know. And I—it's uh, one of the—you know—those are some of the reasons why I've always uh, I've always dug it.
1: Liam, what what did you uh, what do you think about this movie?
0: um you know uh, this is like we we've we've had this discussion a little bit but it's it's worth naming that uh for me in most of my life the question of separating the art from the artist doesn't really mean a lot because most of the people times when people have to struggle with that it's someone that i don't give a fuck about you know what i mean like it's just like who Oh, uh, well, I mean, we've hammered the drum of Victor Salva sucks on this show, but even like uh, music, like, you know, God. there's always punk, there's always punks who want to defend screwdriver. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not good. Or, you know, uh, someone wants to defend Hulk Hogan. He's a jerk off. anyway, Not even a good wrestler. Like over and over again, I have no problem. Roman Plansky is my guy that I struggle with because I get I am 100 percent on board with everyone who is. Like, fuck this dude. Like, he shouldn't still be making movies and making lots of money. I'm right there with you. But he's the only one in my life, personally. I'm sure there might be others who I just don't know about. That I feel like I'm actually giving something up. Because I love Roman Polanski movies. I always have. Long before I knew anything about him that was... When I was a kid, no one was like, hey... Liam, who's about to watch Rosemary's Baby and have it like fuck up your head, you should know this about this gentleman. No, nobody told me. There's didn't come. There's no warning at the beginning of the movie. So like, I (laughs) fell in love with his movies before I learned that you know maybe he's a monster. Maybe he just did one monstrous thing. Doesn't matter. The point is, he evaded punishment, and that to me is like not cool. So. Anyone who's like, well, I don't like that we're talking about this movie because of who Roman Polanski is, I totally understand. But this is hard for me. And so for me, this is one of the movies I hadn't seen of his. I watched it thinking, going in, being like, I don't know if I'm going to be into this because I'm so pissed about Roman Polanski. And it's great. It's so fucking good. And I just wanted it to be bad. I didn't want there to be another Roman Polanski movie that I love. This movie's really good. (laughs) Um, I think at first it's a little off-putting because – the character A, he's acting in the film, so you 100% you know, you can't, you know, you could watch Chinatown or Rosemary's Baby and pretend that you're not, he's right there with you, you are with him, so there's no getting around it. This is a Plansky film, there's no avoiding it. He's there, he's doing all the work. Um, but his character has this level of anxiety that I found like really off putting, um, and it's like just really foreign to me the way that. He was embodying that. Um, and knowing it was him, anything about it that felt creepy uh, uh, in relation to sexuality was that much more creepy because I'm like, uh-huh. you are a motherfucker. You know, like I, I'm, I'm wanting to identify him with the character in a way that it's not real, but I just want to because I'm already in a bad mood about it. Uh, and so it took me a little bit, but once things get going and I'm feeling this other anxiety that's about this community like he wants this apartment and yet this feeling of being constantly watched and judged and whatever and of course it goes into surreal places but the underlying thing there really started to win me over and even as it became more surreal it made it actually more relatable in a way and so by the end fuck this movie i i i don't think i was haunted haunted by it but it definitely i was thinking about it long after it was over it ended and i was still like oh, man, this part was really interesting or whatever. So, you know, it's brilliant. I mean, I, I, I knew it was, br- was going to be brilliant. I knew it. I knew it going in, this is not going to be a piece of shit. This is going to be very good. But uh, it was even better, I think, that I was prepared for it to be. Uh,
1: so I think the thing that I like most about this movie, um, it's a very claustrophobic movie. Yes. Like, just watching this film reminded me a lot of times of something like Don't Look Now. Where there's a lot of these, th- there aren't a lot of like wide shots in this movie. They're often like entirely focused on the character. And even in the the shots that are indoor, it feels a lot smaller than it has any right to feel. To the point of where like 20, 20 minutes into this movie, I felt like I needed to get up and go outside and just walk around because everything felt so constricted and. I think that really lent to the attitude of, like, paranoia and anxiety that we're supposed to, uh, you know, that it was supposed to evoke. Um, And then just, like, the other thing is, like, it's a small part in the movie, but it's the scene where he and Isabel and Johnny are in the theater, like, messing around, and that dude is just staring at them. Um, Just the idea that, like, people are, like, watching you and judging you. And even if they're not if you think they are that makes me so uncomfortable to think about to the point of where like that I, I was just like I really hope this movie isn't like this the whole time like I really <laughs> hope this movie isn't just him being afraid that people are judging him because like I, I'm not gonna be able to keep up with this if, if it's like this and you know and it and it absolutely was um and it's it, it also was Adept at making um, an apartment complex, the small, you know, apartment building, seem very um, like alien and threatening and almost unknowable, um, because it was like anytime he, anytime he was in he was in his apartment, like contemplating what was going on outside, it felt like anything could be going on out there, and you didn't know. Who was gonna show up? You didn't know like what his neighbors were doing. You didn't know what towards the end. You didn't know what the fuck was real. Um, and it's funny. I definitely saw a lot. You know, watching this and having watched your film, The Swerve, I see a lot of this movie in in, in your film. Um, a, 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 well, just a lot of like the the whole idea of being like gaslit and not knowing what's real and have having people like actively uh, enforcing that, 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 that instability and, 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 and uncertainty. Um, but there was another film that was at, uh, Brooklyn horror, uh, one BR or one bedroom, whatever it was. And I, having seen this, I'm like, holy shit. Like that whole movie was, was absolutely like, you know, like Polanski worship and like uh, David Lynch worship. In the sense that you're in you're you're in this like small community, and you don't know anyone else in this community. Even though you're in close confines with them, and everything is like super constricted and claustrophobic, and anxiety-inducing, and I, I don't know. I I just felt like even though there's 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 no real like crazy action in this movie, it still felt like we were watching a fuse burn down the whole time. Like, it it just felt like we were moving steadily towards some, like, explosive and inevitable conclusion. Um, And uh, honestly, like, it took me a minute to figure out where they were going with it. And then once they did, I was like, that doesn't really make any sense, but I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with it just being this, like, surreal, like, kind of absurdist commentary on cyclical nature and, like, being stuck in one place or whatever. Um... But yeah, it just like I said. I mean, like that the night after I watched it, I was just like laying in bed and I was just like, "Man, that was terrifying." When they go to visit that person in the, in the hospital and she's just fucking howling at them. You know, I, I don't know. It, 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 this it just it it stayed with me in a way that I I I, I didn't expect it to. I, I guess.
2: It's really funny too. I mean, to me, I think that kind of sense of humor, like when he first enters the apartment house you know it's just directed by Roman polanski and then he walks right yeah. in and then goes over to Shelley winter's you know uh office knocks on the door and then you know she's rude to him right off the bat and goes in and uh you know he even tries to make friends with the dog and the dog snaps him twice. as it should and uh, as it, i mean it's just like this poor guy you know immediately feel like he's an outsider and you're entering this you're with him in this very sort of Recognizable but off-putting and strange world. Like that apartment is not. It's like uh, you know, like you don't want to live there, right? And you're with him in this small space, and you know, she tells him that the previous tenant, you know, threw herself off the balcony, and they still haven't repaired the hole that she made through the skylight. You know, and it's it's just like it's just like one thing after the other that slowly builds up. to you know the what you hopefully you know you're not I wasn't expecting it but like the inevitable uh, and then you know and then it does it start all over again at the end I mean it takes you back and what's with the tooth There's so much stuff to, to like yeah uh, the hieroglyphs like yeah what?
1: It, it, yeah I mean it, it did a very good job at taking um because th- there th- there wasn't much like this isn't a traditionally scary movie There's not a lot of like Boo moments. Like, most of this this movie, the fear in this movie comes from, like, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the character, and you have to sort of, like, do the work to empathize with the character in order to experience the fear in this movie. That being said, there is just something that is so off-putting and unsettling and creepy about people just sitting in a room. Like, when he's, like, seeing the people, like, in the bathroom, and they're just fucking standing there, like, in the middle of the night... I don't know why, but that was like, if I saw that in real life, that I would, I would lose my fucking mind. Like if I just like looked out my window and just saw someone stand, I'd be like, "Uh, that's it. I'm done. Like I need to see a doctor.
2: What, what about like, what if you found uh you know, there's a hole in your wall. That's literally what I was about to say. And you reach into it and that wall feels like it's, it doesn't look at it and it's kind of like this tactile look organic kind of material and he reaches into it and pulls out a canine tube, you know, and it's like, what? And then what does he do? He puts it back in and it's like very, something, it makes a very, like it doesn't, on a, on a, a, a story level, you don't quite know what it means. Right. But you kind of feel it and sense it in a way, uh, Like there's a connection between him and this character named Simone Schull that lived there. This woman that you may see in one of the windows, right? When she's taking off the horrifying. Oh my God! Right, it's (laughs) horrifying. Like, right, and then later, what does he do? But he is he is he possessed by Simone Schull, or was he going already insane from the beginning? And pulls out his own tooth, right? And then realizes that he's turning into her. And, you know, it's like this weird transformation.
0: I mean, on a certain level, just like a logic level, if I go into the room I just rented and this woman's stuff is still there, that's when I'm... I mean, if we're going to do that, You know, the joke is always like that certain... Horror movies right. don't wouldn't work if the characters weren't white people because they would go nah I'm good and just leave and then the movie's over. Yeah, yo, that's in this situation. That's the moment I go in. I'm like, uh, oh, her shit's still here. All right, well, I'm gonna go and I'm never coming back until someone removes all this shit. That's not me. So, someone come and get this this deceased woman stuff. This I'm woman not messing who with fucking it. killed herself and left her yeah, tooth in the no. wall. but at the moment he decides because it's in some way it's not just about him going crazy there's a sense in which there's almost like a corruption going on because again and again he can make a different choice but he i mean when he's like all right i really want this apartment this woman's in the hospital she tried to kill herself i guess well that's what i'm saying he's like i guess i'll go see her that's when you go oh this is not my hero this is not. Uh, this is a protagonist. Right. This is not a hero. This is not someone that I'm meant to identify with. And in fact, if he does something I do identify with, I should question that behavior. Maybe I'm in the moral wrong right now. The moment he goes, I'm just going to go see her in the hospital and pretend like I know her, you're like, nope, right. no, wrong. But yeah, uh, things are already weird. He pulls that tooth out. But you also get the feeling that the rest of his life, I mean, think about, so uh, one of the actors I wanted to highlight is uh, Bernard Fresson, who plays uh, Scope, uh, who's like his right. loud his, his loud American friend, who, by the way, that actor is not American. But uh, he's he's been in a lot of things I really like, including um, Z, which I uh, only recently uh, watched for the first time and really loved it, uh, French Connection 2, Hiroshima Mon Amour, all that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. Oh, also uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Uh, I'm assuming much, much. Really? Later life, obviously, so he's great. I, I, I think he's good in this too. The, but when he goes over to his friend's house and he's demonstrating how he basically emotionally abuses his neighbors so that they don't harass him, that's when you start to realize like, oh, it's not just our guy. Our guy is not the only crazy person clearly the insanity is run throughout his entire life because the fact that you would maintain a friendship with this monster is like already an indication that something is deeply wrong. Yeah.
2: But yet, you know, I also like this neighbor, this friend. Yeah. Right. And I like that he kind of sticks up for him. Sure. But, but you know, you're right. I mean, but it's like in all his movies are there. Uh, the outsider entering a world that, is, you know, kind of turns everything upside down. It, it even it happens in in the Ghost Rider, right? Sure. It's one of a, a recent film of this with Ian Mcgregor. It's it's and it also ends quite badly for that character. It's he it's a, it's sort of a running theme through his movies. And and Trakowski, the Roman Polanski character, uh, is a, is a, a a weasel of a of a person. But yet I still kind of empathize with the character because of how how south things go, right? Forum. For I, I, before I forget, guys, I really want to point this because I th- I discovered uh, recently that she may be a friend of yours. I was very excited. I bought the Blu-ray of The Tenant uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and um, uh, there's a an audio essay on the disc that plays over scenes of the movie. It's about twenty minutes, and it is brilliant. And I've never done this before, but I. Uh, her name is Sam Deegan. Oh, just, Sam. oh Sam, yeah. She's, yeah, been yeah. Now, of, uh, she's been doing a lot of
0: she's uh, been doing a lot of supplementary material stuff lately, and I didn't know she did it for this movie.
2: Yeah. Oh. I didn't know this and I don't know her, but this is the first time I've done this, so hopefully she doesn't think I'm, I'm you know, an insane person. <laughs> I actually sent her a message saying how much I liked that essay because I think it's the best thing that's been done on the movie on the tenant. Uh, that I've ever uh, heard or read. I mean, and I think that this is a movie that was really overlooked in its time, and it was, uh, uh, you know, for a movie that followed up Chinatown, it was, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, ignored. Nobody saw it in its day, and uh, it was the fastest film that Polanski ever shot and released, and he just thought of it as a little cult movie that nobody liked, and it's really picked up a lot in, in recent years, and Sam's essay is, uh, especially coming from a woman, it's uh, because of Polanski, I'm saying that, because of the horrible things that Polanski has done in his private life. Uh, it was especially heartening to hear this essay. It was It's really great, and she goes into detail about his themes and about, like, the Haunted House of the Mind, and I really encourage you guys and listeners to, to listen to it. So Absolutely, yes. Uh, Sam is the best, and there.
0: though they have not recorded in a long time, no matter how much I harass them about it, she has a podcast on this very network. Uh, the Evil oh. Eye is a, her podcast with a friend of the show, Rob Scavarla, about goth oh. movies, in which they make oh. arguments for why certain movies are goth. Sometimes more or less convincingly. That. Uh, but that's sort of part of the point of the show. Uh, but they haven't gotten to record in a long time, partly because Sam has been doing all of... Anyone who follows her on social media knows every week it's like, oh, another one of my commentaries is coming out. And I'm like, how do you have time? Because this is not... She has a day job. You know, she has a full-time wow. day job, and she's recording these commentaries and writing these essays and putting out regular work all the time. I, I just think she doesn't sleep, honestly, but... Great friend of the show. Love her a lot. She's the best. The only person in the world who could complain to me, speaking of, uh, as listeners know, I have the t-shirt company Rough Cut, and we recently put out a Switchblade Sister shirt, and she's like, I really love the shirt, but it's not black, and I really just want another black shirt, and I printed her a black shirt. Uh, If you hit me up about that and you are not Sam Deegan, fuck off. I will not do that for you, but because it's Sam, I did it.
2: I was just saying, so if I wanted a black switchblade sisters t shirt, you'd tell me. Yeah, about, basically.
0: Uh, <laughs> all right. Because the rest uh, were all maroon and they're very pretty and I love them. Uh, maroon. I'll,
2: I'll look at, I'll, I'll
1: yeah. Sam that. was the one who had the uh, <laughs> she had the shirt the, the cruising shirt and on the back yes. it had the wow. handkerchief codes. Oh, that was yes. so fucking cool.
0: Wow! It's look wait, it, look wait. it up, look it. Up. Wow. I forget the company. She she told us, and I meant to order one. I haven't done it yet. But there's a cruising shirt that has all the handkerchief codes on the back. It's very good. I yeah. highly recommend it to all of our <laughs> listeners, as well as just watching cruising because it's the best.
1: Yeah. All uh, right, cool. So this this movie just, I don't know. It just I, like there was also a lot of like genuinely like painfully awkward parts in this film. Right like, that that were, like, sort of, like, filled me with sympathy and then, like, revulsion for the character. And I don't know if it's just because, like, if Isabel and Johnny was like, yeah, just come to my apartment at fucking two in the morning. If I went there, I wouldn't, like, bemoan my life and then fall asleep on the bed like he does. And it's so awkward when she's just, like, laying there with him, and then they wake up the next morning, and she's just like, oh, yeah, here's, like, breakfast, like, make yourself some keys, like, I just felt myself being torn between like, this guy is so pathetic and fucked that he's evoking in me a sense of sympathy and also like this sense of like, like just disgust with him. Like he was like a disgusting, like, like a bug. Like there was just something like revolting about him at the, towards the end when, when he began like acting out in these like bizarre ways where it was like, I want to kill you out of sympathy. Like I want to, I want to give you a mercy killing because you're making me sick to my stomach. But also, like I care for you and I feel bad for you. Which I, I don't think that, um, I don't think a film has ever evoked such a strong reaction from me like that, it, it, with those two feelings.
2: Bug, I think that's a, it's like. Well, as soon as you said that, I thought of like you know Kafka's met- metaphor. Yes. Right? Yes. He's yes. Like- He's like this cockroach. And then, you know, something that I noticed, uh, did you guys pick up on this? Um, the perspective of the room would change. Yes. Did you yes. notice how it get longer? And then the chair became really big. Mm-hmm. His, you know, and then, and then it was small. And my favorite thing is when he's really feverish in bed. The best. And he reaches over for the bottle of oh water. Oh, my God. And it's a painting. Yes
0: it fucked me up. You know, I, I, I that that was the moment where I thought this movie's doing something crazy. I like had that to, moment it just really got me.
1: I had to pause the movie and rewind yeah. it cuz I was like me too. I was like this is either like cinematic brilliance or this is the beginning of the end for me.
0: Please let this be
1: <laughs> and then I was like oh fuck that's actually like you know it's it's like I always I always heard about how in um in Raging Bull how Scorsese used like different size boxing rings all the time to sort of like keep you off balance and make it seem this like surreal kind of like unreal setting, but like it, it you notice that you know what I mean? Like you know you notice that there's there's some technique. Be- this one I didn't even notice until I was like, oh wait a second, like let me rewind that. Yeah, like there's there's a, there's there's all these like weird force perspectives, and it's nothing like it's almost like it's subtle enough where it just makes you uneasy for a reason you quite, you can't quite pick up on, which is that's, that's, that's like the best kind of uh, filmmaking and when, when it comes to like setting a mood, but yeah, when he's like laying in bed and he reaches for that bottle, I I, I was just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, that was insane.
2: Yeah. And I was like, how did, how did you do that? And you know, it just, it's such a simple yeah. thing. Right. Like you would, you would do these. And I was like, the, like, it's like very old school, like almost a like silent movie, but yet, you know, with that sort of creepy music that's right. like played on, it sounds like it's playing, like someone's playing glasses, like wall oh glasses. My God. It's like so eerie. Um, the, I, and, I was uh, thinking
0: about the, this idea that both of you have talked about a little bit of the. Mm, The ways that this movie is about his own being trapped in his own mind and his own perceptions, and thinking about how it's really easy to focus on that in the extremity of what the movie is, which is like he becomes a whole other person and then jumps out a window, you know. But how many people can just identify with the personality thing of he is creating, he has, he is creating the distance between him and all these people that affirms his feeling that something is wrong. That he's like exacerbating all of his own issues. And then what could be seen as like a punchline, like the idea that he gets up and goes for another jump could be seen <laughs> I, as the yes. darkest punchline. But yes. in a way, it's not because it's exactly he, because the movie is so much about the prison of his own frustration and resentment and alienation. Of course, he's like, Oh, you don't think I can do it? Like, this is what you want. He's convinced Uh, himself, this is what you want, and that's how it's going to be, and I'm just going to... And think of all the people who you know, who you've seen them in an obviously less dramatic fashion, do the exact same fucking thing. They've done the exact... Where they're just like, this is how everyone thinks it should be. This is what you think I am anyway, so I'm just going to whatever, whatever. And you're like, bro, just don't do it. You don't got to crawl back up the steps and jump out the window again. You really don't. Please, please, Liam, I...
1: Painful. I, I'd appreciate it if you didn't bring up the time I ruined my niece's birthday party by screaming at my mom about my my brother-in-law. I, I, you don't need to bring that up. And
2: if this is what you fucking people want, this is what you fucking people are gonna get. Did you really tell did, did Uh you
1: Yeah, it was. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. Um, I don't get along with my sister's with with, with my niece's father, and um, I kind of got into like a like a not quite a screaming match with my mom, but it was very barely like you know when you're so angry that you're just like. You can have this fucking conversation where you're just, like, you're just, you're right there, but you can't, like, so the social contract dictates you don't go into a fucking tantrum at a child's birthday party. And I had to, like, walk out and be like, Briella, Uncle Justin is having a very hard time right now, so I'm gonna go for a drive, and then later you can call me and I'll come back, and we'll celebrate your birthday. She's like, okay, Uncle. And then that led to this whole, like, that was in April, and then that led to this whole thing at, like, Christmas time where... I only exacerbated things by making like stupid memes about how I'm going to ruin Christmas for my family. But no, I mean that—that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. Was everyone was like walking on eggshells around me, and that pissed me off enough where I was like, "Okay, well, if if this is if everyone thinks I'm going to like make a scene, it's time to make a scene."
2: But you didn't, you didn't, you didn't hurt yourself, right? No, 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 Did you? no.
1: I mean, I—I'll okay. I, I'll be honest. Yeah. I—I had to call my therapist and kind of like get talked down from. You know, there was a lot of bad thoughts there, but it was it was definitely a moment where the thing was, is like, I was fine walking into the situation, but seeing how everyone was acting around me was like, do they want do they want there to be like a scene? Do they do they they, they want there to be a spectacle? Because like,
2: but isn't isn't that it's like part of it, like with the tenant, like when you when I really think about it, what is this about? And I think one of the reasons why I like movies like this, and it's probably reflective in my own work, is is that it it's, it sort of deals with the like existential dread that we're sometimes faced within our lives of living, yeah, you know, of, of of actually, you know, wondering like what does this all mean and what am I doing here? And so here you have this kind of this character Tchaikovsky who's like. You know, just happy to get this kind of shitty apartment in Paris, because it's difficult to get an apartment. And even the the Shelley Winter's character, the concierge, says, you know, it's not it's not easy to get an apartment like this. And and you know, even though all her stuff is there and it's pretty dingy, right, and gloomy looking and small, but you know, there he is. And yet, he's also faced dealing with the the stuff going through his head, right? And and what is real and what isn't and what's what's happening to these guys we and it, it, i like that it's kind of a puzzle and you can you can i love movies like this adult look now also oh my god They're great puzzle puzzle movies yeah. and you, you know you know and you're dealing with like all this shit along with like having a day job right but then there's also a tooth in your wall or is the tooth really there you know and then decides well her clothes are here i need to see polanski dressed like a woman, which nobody ever really wants to see, you know, is like with <laughs> putting on lipstick and it's both funny in a very dark way and really heartbreaking and scary, right? Right. right. I showed this film to the producer of the swerve, Tommy, uh Tommy Mix, and he knew I was a fan, I was like, you gotta sit down and watch it. And when he pulls when he throws himself through that skylight and then drags himself up the stairs, he was like crawling I go over the couch like, "Oh my god, I can't watch this." Like, "What the hell is happening?" It's it's really painful, but it makes sense. It's like you know people would do that or or a person like that. Would yeah,
1: do that. I mean, it 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 just it's this blend of it's this it it's a sense of like alienation from those around you. And yet it's not like cuz they like there's there's a lot of descriptions I I read of this movie where they talk about how he's like merely a quiet man who who just wants to live by himself. And it's like yeah, but he also he's also looking for connection enough, where his yeah. his neighbors, his neighbors obviously seeing him as the other, is getting to him. And whether or not they actually view him that way, his perception of them seeing him as an outsider, it's it, it, it's getting under his skin. It's making him. It's making him. It's sort of like perpetuating this 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 cycle of anxiety and paranoia. I mean, not to put too I mean like I said before there he evokes this feeling of sympathy and revulsion in me um, I, I do think there's something uh, inherently tragic about a character like that where they're 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 desperate for some kind of connection but at the same time they're convinced that everyone is out to make them incapable of connection if that makes any sense right.
0: well that's why the the, the yeah, nightmare logic of the ending works so well because it's it's it, it you could see this in a few different areas, but this is this is one area where it's like uh, that. Perhaps the our psychology means that as humans we are doomed; that there is no escape. Yeah, and, and that's what that that ending to me is like. Yeah, this is it. It's been this way. It was already this way. You've already lived this moment, and you you will continue to live it if you are to going to continue to live sub cycle of this it's, sort of it's, you it's, know it's, thing.
1: It's, it's It's the shitty, it's the most terrifying, it's the most terrifying variation of the Eternal Return, in which we just, the past, the future tends to resemble the past, we're fucking chained to our own behavior, and, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing ever really changes. Mm. Yeah. Basically, my Mm. worst fears come true.
0: (laughs) Which is why I
2: was... Yeah. No, I, I, I just want to say, you know, it's like guys like you and also in the, in the community of, of like lovers of movies like this, of, you know, the genre that, you know, I, I think it attracts people that are sensitive to the human condition. Yeah. You know, I just do. I really do. I think it's why I think it's one of the reasons why we watch films like this. You know, if you're even if you're dealing with anxiety or uh, something, you know that order that you recognize it, and um, and it maybe you know helps you deal with it. I, I think. I mean, we all have stuff that we've gone through, right? So I I think it, in some ways that's why I like films like this. I mean, I also like deciphering them, and you know discovering new things i I think i think they're like a work of art you know that that not just entertainment like people try to say oh you know it's like like a lot of like major movies try to say yeah hey movies are just for entertainment um i think they're, they're they're just a work of art also and and beautiful way to kind of that helps you i mean helps me get through life you know and and uh opens you up to different works of art right yeah, I mean, you know.
1: I I think what this this movie excels at is um, I've always felt that a lot of truly great films require you to bring something to the table, and a lot of times that has to be like a sense of empathy with the characters that they're trying to sell you know sell you on, and that's this movie just really uh, it really I'm not gonna say it it doesn't ask a lot of you you know what I mean it, it doesn't I I think, it, it, tone wise, it takes a lot from you, <sighs> but, yes. y- you know, it's just like a I don't know. It's it, it's just a film that it's asking to be unpacked and unwrapped and picked apart. And I think those are the that's the best kind of experience when it comes to consuming art is that it's not just like right there. It's you know it it doesn't have to be like man. It's like so deep and you have to really think about it. But it's like at the same time there is something to be said about a film that you can watch, and you know, it really sticks with you to the point of where, like, days later, you're like, oh, shit, you know, that, you know, that tooth in the wall was representative of this, and the fact that, you know, he kept wanting to get Marlboros at the drugs, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, those little things like that, like, <laughs> the, like, the fact, like, the one scene that, like, really shook me was when, I forget if he went to the bar and asked for coffee, and, and they were like, we're just gonna bring you chocolate, and he's like, but I didn't yeah. fucking ask for that, like, you're, you know what I mean? And then, like, there was just something that was so, um not to sound melodramatic, powerful in that small display of, like, helplessness in the face of something seemingly inevitable. Because, like, part of him knew, like, doesn't matter what I ask for, they're going to bring me this because they're all out to fucking get me. And then he's sort of just like, look, I know you're going to bring me this, but I'm going to ask for this. But you might as well just bring the fucking chocolate anyway. Like... There was something about that scene where I was like man that, that was that hit it, it, that hit in a way that I didn't see coming from such a mundane aspect of this movie. Uh, and, and I, I think films that have moments like that are the best ones or uh, the ones that stick with us the ones that the ones that affect us the most and yeah. I mean, I love Rosemary's baby because you know whatever it's Rosemary's baby. I never expected myself to have such a reaction to a Plansky film as I did to this movie. You know, one that was so well, lingering, and one that was so, uh, you know, that 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 stayed with me. So, mm. I don't know. It, it was just mm. it you was an experience, it, I guess. Yeah.
2: You don't empathize with uh, Tarkovsky with the Polanski character right away like you do with the Mir Farrow character. Right? No, it's no, like it's a very different experience, but it's a lot. I think it's a lot more. I uh, it's it's more daring in a way because I think precisely because of characters are, are just you know it's just uh it's it's a lot creepier in a way you know because it's so claustrophobic and so internal and it's like you're not in this spacious like bramford apartment mm-hmm. you're in this little you mm-hmm. know tiny room and uh for much of the time and just stuck with the shadows and forced perspectives and, i mean <laughs> it'll it, 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 it
1: also doesn't help that like Mia Farrow is not not to sound like misogynistic. She's a lot easier on the eyes than Roman Polanski is. You know, like Roman Polanski looks like a fucking creep. He just like even if he's like playing like a good guy, he just <laughs> looks like a fucking creep. Whereas like Mia Farrow has this like innocence about her, and you know there y- you sympathize with her and you feel like almost like protective. But again, like. Polanski's character in this, I'm just like, ugh, like you're just like Jeff Goldblum at the end of The Fly. I just want to blow your fucking head off because wow. I feel terrible for you, you know. And I, you, but but also <laughs> you're disgusting. Go the fuck away. <laughs> uh,
0: I well, I was gonna say I I want to make sure uh, we wrap up soon, but uh, I did want to yep. point out that I think some of what you were saying, Justin, it, it's a reminder that a movie that. Um, a movie that causes you to reflect on it isn't necessarily intellectual. Like, I think part of the issue is that uh, we conflate uh, intellectual and and, and sort of more of a visceral emotional reaction. And the reality is, like, let's say the tooth in the wall that there is no deeper, you know... Literally, for all we know, he he was, you know, the person put it in the book because they were like, "Well, that's upsetting. Let's put that in the story." You know what I mean? Oh, like, it's like the it's
1: the, like the ear in Blue Velvet. That's that's exactly how I saw. Right. It. It's like the ear, at the beginning of Blue Velvet. It's just, but I just it's, think it's
0: worth thinking about in relationship to how we think about movies because I think whenever a movie isn't all flat out, uh, you know what I mean? Whenever a movie's like not just like everything's out there, it asks you to think a little bit more, feel a little bit more. We're always looking for like the key because. I say we generally, but a lot of audiences are looking for the key because everything's intellectual, right? Like, well, if I figure it out, whatever. But the puzzle that you're describing, Dean, doesn't feel to me like a puzzle, like a math problem. You know, it's. It, no, no, yeah. not at all. Not it, at all.
2: I, I, I agree with you. That's 100%. It's sort of like the feeling, the visceralness of yeah. it. It's like, well, you know, on the one hand, you could see the tooth, like, what? Repress sexual desire. Yep. But what, you know, go Freudian, go Jungian, whatever. But like, what does it feel like to the viewer? I don't think it should be seen as like, I think most importantly with a movie is like you should feel it, you know, it's like, you should really, what are you, what you're feeling on it, it's like when you watch 2001 or some, some movie that you really love that, that, uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be like a, a great work like that, but what is it, like even American Werewolf, Yeah. you know, it's not just a werewolf transformation that I like, it's like a lot of this, I like the scenes between, you know, Griffin Dunn and, and, uh, or like uh, you know, when that
0: guy in the Holy Mountain beats up a room full of Jesuses. You know what I mean? Like yeah, no, that's that's, <laughs> that's not. You know, maybe there's a literal, maybe there's not. I don't know. But it's or like it's this like the scene, like the scene in Pumpkinhead when he <laughs> kills all the teenagers. Stop! <laughs> I hate it! I hate it! You motherfucker! All right, we're gonna end. That's it. We're done Fuck here. you. <laughs> okay, Dean. You guys are the best. the best. You're the best. You're the fucking man. Thank
1: you so much for coming back on and talking to us. It,
0: it's really great to have you here. Yeah.
2: Likewise. I, I, I love you guys. I think your show is fantastic. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I want more people to discover it. Yeah, thank you so much for having yeah, me.
1: Thank out. you. The honor was, the honor was entirely on, um, this, the entire, the, the honor was entirely west of where you are right now. <laughs> like from here out to Chicago.
0: Oh yeah. That's fair. Okay. That's good. That was a good one, Justin.
1: That's yeah. really good. Yeah. So, uh, Dean, hype up this like tell us like where you know you you'd said a little bit earlier about the swerve like where where can people find it where can people find you online is there any pluggables you want to plug uh,
2: uh yeah I'm not the you know i'm I'm kind of a nerd in social media like I'm not the you definitely definitely if you want to like more than welcome to chat with me if you're interested on uh Twitter. Or, Facebook. I'm not the biggest guy on social media, but I'm, I'm there, uh, and uh, I, I welcome you. Uh, uh, the Swerve is uh, is my first feature film that I wrote and directed and co-edited. I did a lot of other things that, that aren't in the credits, but it comes out on September 22nd, this coming Tuesday, on all major uh, VOD platforms and digital. Um, and... Uh, if you guys are interested in The Tenant, you like a movie like The Tenant or uh, Sisters. I think there are, are, are aspects of it that are perhaps recognizable. Or Repulsion, the other Polanski movie, recognizable in, in The Swerve, and you uh, you might like it. It's a portrait of a uh, a woman on the verge of a breakdown, oh. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, um, yeah, I think it has something to say about mental illness that that is both very serious but said through, uh, I guess, filtered through my my love of, of uh, cinema and literature and whatever else without getting too pretentious. Sure, yeah.
0: All
1: right. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much, Dean. Thank I know you. I sound like a broken record, but that's so cool. It's so fucking cool. I love... Yeah. But
2: it's how I met you yeah. guys.
1: It's exactly, yeah. You
2: know? So you guys are the best. I appreciate really. that.
1: Mm. Um. You guys should head to CinePunks.com to hear more episodes of this show and like a couple other shows that I'm not going to name because this isn't their podcast. This is my podcast. I'll name Liam's. (laughs) You can check out CinePunks there. Um, There's a bunch of other cool shit in there. You you should check out Mm. the the semi-weekly column I do this, Justin, if you want to learn more about the shit that goes on in my head when I talk about horror movies. Mm. Um,
0: Oh, let me plug real quick. Uh, Cineween. October's coming yes. up. We we, we we usually every October try to publish something like a new piece every day related to Halloween. Mostly it's hard because that's how most people relate to Halloween, but other stuff too. Personal stories, reflections on candy. Uh, movies that are set on Halloween that aren't scary. Whatever it is you want to talk about that makes you feel like you're celebrating October, we want that from you. Uh, We're not going to commit to something every day because what we found is that um, this whole thing that during the pandemic we're all you know, we have so much free time. It's like not true that, like, most people don't have just piles of free time, that they're actually very busy. So, uh, we're, we're going to take it a little easy. But um, whatever you send us, you know, we're, we're going to take a look at it. So, if you're interested, you can hit us up at Gmail, uh, Cinepunks, that's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, at Gmail.com, and just pitch us something. Uh, I, we would definitely prefer you pitch something to us before you write it. That's only because. Uh, two years in a row, we had people write a review of the same movie without telling us because <laughs> it just was really important to them. And that's great. And we love that passion. But pitch us first in case someone else already pitched us and we already went with it. So please let us know. And it doesn't have to be long. Just a couple sentences of what you want to talk about is fine. And, uh, we, again, we, we we are known for covering film, but literature, personal stories, philosophy, if you want to write about how – Halloween makes you think of Georges Bataille. I want to hear about that.
1: No, I don't. Don't write that in.
0: Yeah. I actually. Well, technically, Jacob was already going to write. Jacob from uh, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe was already going to write about Bataille and Lars von Trier. But we'll see if that happens or not.
2: Whoa.
0: We'll see. It might not happen. I don't want to commit Uh. him to something that he can't, can't get done.
2: That sounds uh, terrifying. Yeah,
0: in the best possible way.
2: <laughs> Speaking of weird,
1: obscure, and possibly unsafe, um, I had posted this on the Har Business Instagram, and I'll be plugging it for the next like week or so, probably a longer. Um, if you have any weird stories about shit that happened to you over your life, or something that, you know, maybe your dad saw an old woman by the side of the road that when he drove by her, suddenly she wasn't an old woman, she was something looking down into the car to him, which is something my father told me growing <laughs> up that happened to him. I know. I just I try not to think about that. You
0: just say the craziest shit with a, without no preamble. It just comes um, out.
1: If something like that happened to you, if you were driving home and you saw a light in the sky and arrived home two hours later with you can't account for the time, um don't tell me about that because it'll fucking scare the hell out of me. But you can send that to um you can contact the the people at Weird Obscure and Possibly Unsafe. Um they're on Instagram at Weird or yeah. Instagram at weird obscure podcast. they have all their contact information there, because they're doing, they're doing a series on, like, weird, creepy, quote-unquote, true shit. Um, and I say quote-unquote true because, you know, if you believe something scary happened to you, then it might as well have happened to you. Even if it wasn't real, if you believe it was real, it might as well have been real. Um... You can head to, I guess, check out fucking LVAC at www.xlvac.com, x.com, I don't know. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore LVAC. Uh, you should go on there and just harass Chris Reject with bullshit. Make his life, make his life more hard. difficult. Um, but check... <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 it
0: almost is his real name, which is why the fact that it's his punk okay. name is even better. His real name is not Reject, but you could mispronounce his real name to be Reject. And so it's so punk to be Chris Reject. It kind of works, you know?
2: Yeah. I've always wanted to ask. I, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I, I you know, there you go. The a big oh, yeah. punk for him. Yeah.
0: Right?
1: I, I, I hate him, and I want him to die, but I also love him. Stop, so. you
0: love him so much. <laughs> I do. I actually,
1: I actually saw him on Monday when I picked up some stuff for uh, VHS Fest. Uh, other than that, you can check us out at the Harbiz 666 on both Twitter and Instagram. Come follow us. You can follow me at repairmanxjack. If you like pictures of dogs and food, I post a lot of that. Um, yeah, other than that. You know, if you're on iTunes and you're listening to this, remember to rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. And until next time... I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Aliens is better than alien. Goodbye. I hate you. Don't talk, just listen.
3: Black there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinepunks Podcast Network.
0: Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts!
3: Hey!